All right, here we are, Armbar Podcast. We've made a trip, another trip down south. This time we're in Temecula, California, this beautiful ranch house. The Armbar Podcast this is Vic. This is Alex. This is Mike. And now, and who, who do we got here? And this is uh, Scott Husing on the Armbar Podcast. Sweet. Now, when you say we, we made a trip down south, are you talking about like physically or emotionally? Uh, because down well, south, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's <laughs> you, brother. Well, he made it sound like he went to Tijuana. I know. It's like, it's not that far south. Like, to make it. No, no. <laughs> that's not a fever blister. <laughs> that, that would be a Vato tactical trip. I know, man. No, no, those were the unspoken of, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Nah, so, sir, welcome. Uh, you know, we're... Um, we're glad to have you on our podcast. You know, maybe you can share some of your experiences. Tell us what what's going on with you. So, if you could just give us a little background, where you? Yeah, well, what's going you, on with your life right now, sir? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's about, it's deep, man. I didn't know this was like a therapeutic <laughs> no, show. No, no. Nick, we got Nick Velez in the studio from Bastards Canteen, and we got Brad Ledbetter in from. Can we say it? No. no? no. All right. From Valorant. So, B Ledbetter. So there we'll edit go. that out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. B. I'm just I'm yeah. glad to have you, you have guys down. Again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's the, yeah, it's a little therapy. Yeah. But I think you know this is kind of therapy for vets, and we're all vets oh, yeah. in here. And this this is cool, staying connected. And uh, you know, besides you know writing and doing a lot of op-ed stuff for online journals, I think volunteering and, and being a part of Save the Brave, which Nick started, right. who was you know one of my young Marines in Ramadi, um, really. Guys like this getting together, it is therapy. It's uh, connection is the cure, as my friend Josh Collins says. And to do this, to you know, make time out of your schedule. It's uh, what Saturday morning. Saturday you guys morning. drove down from oh, LA. Yeah. But this is what I'm always talking about. Is traffic you, was a bitch too. Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's you got to put some skin in the game. But yeah. to, you know, it's an hour and a half drive or five hours depending on traffic. <laughs> yeah. really. So it's uh, you know, it's what I'm really passionate about. At the beginning and end of every day is. You know, just helping vets. I mean, it really makes me happy. And, you know, when we get calls from guys that say, hey, sir, I read your book uh, or, hey, I read your article or I was at this Save the Brave event and I got a job now. Wow. Or, you know, wow. I got back with my girlfriend or I got back with my wife. And it, it stabilizes people to a degree. And, you know, I use the word impact a lot mm -hmm. because you could go your whole lifetime and not see the results of your leadership or giving or caring about people. But, when when I'm in this position now to receive emails and DMs from dudes and, and and women about how my story helped them in some way, that that's pretty powerful stuff. So it, it's, it, the it's best. Cool. And how does that make you feel? I mean, besides like <clears throat> powerful, I, guess, right uh, I don't know. I mean, not me personally powerful, but it makes me feel humble. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, to the point where you know I could get a little misty here. It's yeah. uh, it's extremely humbling when people share those stories with me. Uh, about how they hadn't thought about certain things in you know twelve or fourteen years, and and it just impacts. Did them. you think it was it would make that much of an impact by writing the book and just doing the stuff that you do? No, I I didn't go into sharing this story about the second battle of Ramadi for that reason. I, I and honestly, when I went into it, you, you write just to write, and I thought the story was important because I never wanted Ramadi to fall into the shadows of other significant battles like mm -hmm. the Kandahars or the Fallujahs right. or the Baghdads. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was important to me. I wrote it for guys like Nick, and I wrote it for the guys that gave you your Starbucks coffee that really need to understand what the word sacrifice and service means. Yeah. I, there's so many people in the public that just, they can't comprehend. I don't care what branch of service you're in, 
you are literally putting your life on the line because I don't care if you're in a combat zone kicking doors in Ramadi or fixing planes at you know Elmendor Air Base or, or flying whatever. satellites. It's a, yeah, it's a dangerous game being yeah. in the military. We're checking I mean, on Facebook, you know, liking, dude, in, liking. Choosing the right hotel is all about oh, Air Force deployment. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go back. So you're talking about this book. What is your book called? It, the book's called Echo and Ramadi, and it is the first-hand story of U.S. Marines in Iraq's deadliest city. And it came out just over a year ago. Mm. And it's not hyperbole when we say it was the deadliest city. I mean, statistically, we lost more Marines and soldiers in right. Ramadi than, than we did at the time during the surge uh, at, that, at that point in the war. And when we were thrust into that area, we were part of the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit. And we were part of that surge to add an additional 20,000, 30,000 troops to really crush the insurgents that have been popping up in every city. So now we could really hammer down in every single city and apply that pressure that was really instrumental in, in changing the tide of the war at that time. And I think that we were really in a different position because as the Mew flew ashore, we were piecemealed out. Yeah. And, uh, we worked for an army unit, one BCT, and then we kind of got farmed out as like scab labor in Ramadi to Task Force 19 Infantry, 177 Armor, and then we bounced around. We went out west to, to Rupa, but it was a really unique time in the war. And the book, I used to tell people when they'd ask, me, hey, what's your book about? And I'd say, oh, yeah, it's about the fighting and the friction and the brotherhood and all of that. But through this past year, um, and, and, you know, right when we launched on Fox and Friends, it, it became a bestseller and I was just blown away because I wrote it hoping that I'd just write it for the Marines and families that supported us. But I told everybody that that's what the book was about. But over the last year, it's really transformed into more than that. It's not a war story. It's a story about leadership and team building and overcoming adversity and our amazing families. And it's a book about people. And I tell people now the core message of the story is really the power of human connection mm -hmm. because all these people, vets, my Marines, total strangers that get in contact with me now that share how it impacted them. I never thought about that when I was sitting right here, hammering away at three in the morning, writing this book. It's interesting you say that because when you're serving in a leadership capacity, you never know the impact that you're going to have because even though there's manuals on how to lead, it's, it's just a, it's a crapshoot, right? You never know what kind of impact you're going to have on that Marine soldier, airman or sailor, <clears throat> but it's great to see that a little bit after your service, that all these Marines, all your Marines or everybody that you come in contact has shown that you had an impact. Mm -hmm. what, what does that feel like for you? I use another word capacity a lot as well. And it ties to that impact. And, and I always say that, my leadership didn't stop when I left Ramadi. It didn't stop when I left the Marine Corps. I still feel really privileged to lead today. And and I don't think everyone has to do that. Not everyone has to spill their guts in a book and, mm -hmm. and share intimate details about war and what they went through after war. But there's certain people, I think, that have that capacity to continue to serve and continue to lead. And I'm really privileged to be able to do that to the Marines and the families and anyone else that wants guidance on transitioning from the military or getting a job or getting introed for a guest on another podcast or whatever, I love sharing that network. And I, I get it. Like, not everyone has that capacity. Uh, and I understand that. So I'm really, again, I, I, I'm really humbled by the fact that there's so many people that do that. And other veterans who are writers or artists or podcasters or in media, 
the people that are sharing these stories, man, are legit. And it takes a lot out of you. You, you to to peel back that scab every time you get on a stage or every time you get behind a microphone or a camera to share that story it pulls something from you mm -hmm. um to have that capacity again to do that i think is it's really it's really vital though that people are willing to do that not just me but people that think they have a story and and share that as as a leader or as a marine because it's not a nine to five job leadership is not a nine to five job look at that me room in there with all my warrants and promotions there's no expiration date on any of that stuff you know, that shit lasts for a lifetime. Yeah. So, it's like you never, you're not always working, but you're always on the job in kind of way, you know? Yeah. And have you ever gotten any feedback from people who's never, who've never served or have never had family who served? Those are the, those are the best because I think it, we get it. We could sit around here and we don't have to tell war stories. You know, we can talk about anything because we have that connection. But when I've used this before, I got an email from a, a female reader, uh, no, you know, non-attributional, but she started off and said, I've been anti-military my entire life. Oh, wow. and I'm, I'm scrolling down. I'm like, this That's is what started? Not even hello? Or... Yeah, yeah. It was just like, I've been anti-military my whole life, and I'm scrolling down thinking like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, Here we go. More poison. And then it said, until I read your book. Wow. And I cool. really understood what our young servicemen and women do day in and day out. And I was like, that's great. Man, boom. There's a, there's a gap that was just bridged, you mm -hmm. know? So that was, that turned, was pretty cool. You turned someone who... Who's a hater to now is like a supporter in a way, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Man. And Echo, Echo Ramadi, Echo Company, is that, is that what it stands for? Yeah. Give us background on that. Echo Company, 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, the Magnificent Bastards. Uh, a badass call sign that we got from Vietnam. And uh, I'm also the president of the 2-4 Association. <laughs> uh, you see General Livingston's name on the cover of the book. Mm -hmm. He did the forward. But a good his radio operator called me and... He says he's from Tennessee, so I'll throw a Tennessee accent. No offense mm -hmm. to Tennesseans out there, but he's like, "Hey, Scott, man, oh yeah, we. Just, I, I just want you to be the president of the association and bring some young guys in and lead. And I just love your energy." And I said, "Steve, no." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like goes, a Texas. Uh, just, by the way. <laughs> I know it sucks. I, he says, but man, he goes, "Don't don't give me an answer now. Just just think about it. Just think about it." He's Steve's a bit of a salesman, okay. and Steve, if you're listening, Semper Fi, brother. Um, <laughs> I said no, because I was so swamped we're about to launch the book. Next day, Jim Livingston calls me, Major General, Medal of Honor recipient. Wow. He says, hey there, combat. I want you to take over that association and lead. I'm like, Roger that, sir. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> so Echo Company is, uh, you know, it's emblematic of, obviously, uh, literally, uh, our company, Echo, but also... You know, the echoes of war, there's a little metaphor right. there, yeah. not to get too artsy and shit, but uh, yeah. And also and, looking at your picture behind you, um, I see um, um, Easy Company, right? But it almost looks like it was like an essay company over there. I see a bunch of brown people there, you know? <laughs> we got a significant... We had a strong Latino and Hispanic uh, mafia, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're a fan of tamales now. Yeah. <laughs> or, and, and menudo. And I don't menudo think they had menudo. the tamale MRE at that time, yeah. Yeah, but I think they do now. Do they have tamale or They have burrito. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the menu, bro. Here, okay. Here's a, all right, I always love to share like one true confession. Uh, and I, this is pretty, I'm one I'm proud of is the entire time we were in Ramadi, and I think that deployment, I didn't eat a single MRE, like the rubber food in the bag, because there was chow everywhere, wasn't there? 
There was uh, Nick in the back shaking his head. Yes, he's like, yes, sir. Need the soft served ice cream over there. Special K. Special K. Yeah, but I didn't eat a single MRE. Really? That was a nine month deployment. Yeah, from beginning to end. Yeah, I was attached with a first UK division, and we had their MREs. Jesus Christ, man! Still shooting it out. I'm still. Everything was everything was um dumplings, and it was it was a big box because it had hexi hexi blocks, and. Every, all the fucking soldiers carried a, a pots and pans. I was like, what, oh, shit. You guys carrying pots and pans? Like, yeah, their MREs were literally in a box, like a pound of sugar with tea, a big bar of chocolate, and for some reason, it was just always dumplings. And that's all we had. It? That's all we had. Yeah, the officers took that. That's all we had. You had to cook it. <laughs> yeah, you had to cook yeah. it or eat it. And our command was like, nope, you guys don't get hexi blocks. And we had to eat it cold. So for a, almost a whole year, we had to eat British MREs, and they were just horrible. <laughs> just horrible. And the only thing was like a big old bar of chocolate, and I was like, damn, no wonder the teeth are fucked up, man. That's a, All yeah. that tea and chocolate, man. That's to take the taste out of your mouth. Right. <laughs> and to help it go through. There you go, man. So um, what inspired you? Hold on. Like- I want, hold on. Before you ask that question, I'm going to share a story, because this right. is like, I, I'm always saying this. I was sharing like, stories. Right. Yeah, th- Once upon a time. I, I was, we were at a German... Uh, camp and we're at SF school. It's like long range reconnaissance mm-hmm. patrol stuff in Germany in the winter. And I was teamed up with this other alert and he was German at SKS, like one of those berets over there that yeah. we traded. And his name was Wasi. Man, I wish I could kept in touch with this guy, but we go out and we'd be hiking 25 clicks sometimes to the 24 hour RV. And he loved the American cookware. Yeah. So you're saying they put in the pots and, yeah. you know, the big, they say U.S. on the spoon. Yeah. And he goes, Scott, where did you get that spoon? <laughs> and I go, it, I don't know. It's supply. I don't know the issue. And I, kept a, and I always kept coffee and I stir my coffee with it. And so we'd be humping out, you know, 60-pound rocks through the snow, through the hinterland, through towns in Germany. Right, yeah. And he loved it that I brought coffee. And so I wake him up for his radio watch. I'm like, hey, Wasi, man, it's time to get up for radio watch. He says, oh, Scott, thanks for the coffee. And I hand it to him, and there's no creamer in it. Mm. And he goes, Scott! There's a chima. <laughs> I said, dude, man, I was like, give me two to, minutes. I was trying to save weight on my pack, so I didn't yeah. pack the creamer. And he goes, oh, oh Scott, there's always room for chima. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, it sounds like good. a French Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> my accents are a little off today. That's the Red Bull talk. Yo, Texas. That, that was his Tennessee yeah. accent. Yeah, was right? Tennessee Brought to you by Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah. So, what what inspired you to write a book? Like, what did you? Were you sitting here? You just had a Lot, lot in, in your mind. We were watching TV. Yeah, we were watching, watching TV. <laughs> oh. Watching the Golden Girls, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Give me my pen and paper right now. Uh, Maud. Maud. B. Arthur. B. Arthur. I'd have her this, boyfriend. Or what? Is that remember the Golden Girls? That, or that's you, you long for B. Arthur. The guy? No. <laughs> the Golden Girls. Yeah, dude. Experience. <laughs> he fell on his head and camp. Yeah. <laughs> like Judge Judy. He's, he's thinking of Phyllis Diller. I know, yeah, man. Come on, bad. man. Anyway, anyways, back to the book. It's okay. Yeah, that derailed fast. Yeah, I know, man. I know, right? Yeah, I know. Like about wow. That's Alex. That's Alex, man. You guys judge, huh? Damn. I'm not judging. We, we have to judging. set the bar low so that we know how far. It's okay to judge as long as you're accepting. So you know. All right. Yeah. So what inspired the book? Jesus, Jesus Christ. He's <laughs> <laughs> my savior. Uh, I've always been an artist. Uh, usually, like drawing or printmaking, and then. Writing is obviously a form of art, and, and I love to write technical stuff. I wrote 
op-eds and pieces, even when I was on active duty for Marine Times and Military Times. So, you know, it just really transformed into like a portable medium for as an artist um, because I I think that expressing yourself and, and sharing in that in that capacity again uh, to put things down in words and to to share your opinions is really important so i don't think there was ever this bright light where i woke up and i said like oh i gotta write this book but i i started writing i started doing interviews that's it started like a research project and i interviewed over a hundred marines from the company my gold star families uh blue star moms and, and that was tough so i'm making yeah. phone calls and i'm going back and that interview process, especially as a commander, Nick kind of gets that now is <laughs> when he read the book too, is like, man, sir, I never knew you were dealing with all that shit. And on the flip side, as a, as a commander, as a captain with over 15 years in the Marine Corps at the time, you guys can relate to this. Like, I didn't know what those guys were doing down at that level. Cause That's what my Lance Coolies were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was a Lance. Oh, shit. For the record, I'm a Mustang. Like, I was a Lance Corporal, okay. so I know like oh, okay, okay. what it's like to be kept There's in the a dark. Sock in the front. Like a mushroom. <laughs> yeah, fed a bunch of shit like a, a mushroom. But, uh, the jerk-off wars. Yeah. When... Uh, <laughs> Man, he's really he's really devolving quickly. Right? I love, yeah, but that's well, Marines. We have a high school mentality. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah he got his GED though. Yeah. <laughs> I did. <man. laughs> I got the app yeah, to prove it. I got the app to prove it. Screenshot it. Oh, that's like eighty percent of the Marine Corps right there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's it. Uh, man, he's making a, he likes making apologies for you. It's like, yeah. that's a Marine Corps. Change my mind. I know. Change my mind. Out, I know we're going to put him in a picture. That's Marine Corps. Change my mind. Yeah. Believe it or not. Hey, I, would, I would be a poster child no matter what, you know? Yeah. I have no idea what we're talking about. I know. About, so. So, you're going, so you're going back and forth with Nick. Um, like, okay. Oh, yeah. Not knowing what those guys do, but also not understanding the level of BS. And then. One of the interviews I did was with Sergeant Jonathan Espinoza, who got shot in the chest by a sniper in downtown Ramadi. And he was never a real chatty Kathy. He was all business. The Marines feared him. He was a vet from Ramadi in 04. But the, they loved him because he was all business all the time. And when I finally just shut up and let him talk, he unloaded on me for like two hours on the phone from El Paso and the story that came out became this chapter that originally was like 8,000 words. And my oh, editor wow. was like, yeah, this is way too much. <laughs> yeah. I was like, but it's a great story. Yeah, yeah. She's like, make it two chapters. I'm like, okay. Oh. But it, it was phenomenal. Make the print smaller. You know? <laughs> yeah, he, he's just a really amazing guy. He's still on active duty. Espo. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, Espo, if you're out there, Semper Fi, brother. Wow. Yeah. So you just started getting these stories from um, your NCOs, Lance Corporal, staff NCOs. And did it make you think like, this is, is this what brought everything together? Like these stories, and you, you wrote this book because of that. Um, did you think it was your destiny? Yeah. Did you think like this is what this is what I'm going to do now? This is what I'm going to start doing, sharing these stories. Um, I think it yeah it evolved into that. But to any veterans or aspiring writers, you, you can look at the Mad Scientist Project behind yeah. you. This is how it worked, and I had I'm working on two other books now, but oh, I haven't wow. erased okay. the first one, and this is my documentary, but. Um, and, and for our listening audience, because you can't see, he's got some boards all around this room where we're recording. It's not all around. It's just two boards, by the way. But right, the first one's pretty long. It's around. Don't listen to that guy. He's the 80% typical Marine. So, But anyway, he's got like post-its everywhere. He's, it's his plan for his next book, right? Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's, my, it's, it's all mapped out. 
It is like every good officer. This is you know loves, <laughs> yeah. loves a good whiteboard. Yeah. Like yeah. all right, we're gonna plan this out. But yeah. it is like people that ask yeah. me like, well, how'd you learn how to write a book? Google it. Yeah. How many how many words are in a book? Google it. How many wow. chapters are in a book? Google it. How many words per chapter? Google it. How to find an agent? Google it. I'm telling you, if college teaches you one thing, Google and, is Satan though. And look, yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I don't want to brag here. You know, if I'm, you know, make you guys feel just bad, kidding. I, Google. I went to Illinois State University, and they only let in a select forty or fifty thousand. Brag. So, <laughs> they did one promo. One and promo. I, was just, <laughs> I was just lucky to get in because I graduated high school with a one point two four GPA. Oh, wow. so, nice, Alex. Yeah, he has, he has a chance. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're just school for you, Alex. <laughs> I'm yeah. proof that you can go Aggies. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if I like, you know, the Marine Corps was my destiny when I enlisted, but uh, it was probably the best option. Well, well, okay, well, there's a question. What made yeah. you enlist? I think that was it. I wasn't uh, college material at the time. I mean, I barely was high school material, and I fought and drank and ran from the cops. I, my first car was a motorcycle, and, you know, I just I didn't have a lot of direction, a lot of guidance, and... Like anyone that joins the military or, or the Marine Corps, I think you come from situations where you really want that family. Yeah. You don't say it out loud like, oh, I'm going to join so I can be part of a family. But there's something inside you where you really – humans want that discipline. They yeah. want that type of direction. They want to be driven. On structure. Yeah, and that's not everyone either. I think it's a really small segment of our population less than one half of 1% that joined the military and serve, but they're really unique people that are willing to serve and sacrifice. But for me, it, it just seemed like a natural option. I didn't know anything about the Marine Corps except my buddy says, you got to come down and meet these guys. And they're all wearing their uniforms. I didn't even know what camis were. Like, I wouldn't know a boot man if you snapped me in the ass with it right now. It's just like, yeah, it sounds great. These guys are badasses and massive risk takers. Like, they'd go out and they were, like, always brawling and – it was just uh, the era of like Heartbreak Ridge. You know? Okay. So I was like, yeah, it looks cool. That's all I knew about the Marine Corps. And then boom. So, and you know, after my first enlistment, I kind of realized like, hey, there's value in education. So I hung up my rifle. I was in the reserves as a machine gunner at Weapons 224 in Waukegan, where I was born. And then I graduated college in three years with, you know, 3 0. And I attribute all that success to. Everything I learned in the Marines, because wow. that's what they teach you. Is community college? No, <laughs> Illinois State is not a community. College. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and uh, Vic. so you became an officer. You went to OCS. Went to OCS and um, graduated. Went through all the you know schools and held the right billets, and uh, then ultimately, some you know, twelve, fifteen years later, I was thrust into the city of Ramadi, and that's where the story kind of picks up. Right. Yeah. And going back to the writing, was anyone in your life in that time like? Um, encouraging you to like, you know what, you should do this, you should pursue it. Because I know like if you kind of use writing notes and stuff like that, but it was anyway like, hey, you know what, you should make a book. You no, write, write a book. But my my mom, my mom who passed away several years ago, I always there's one person I don't get nostalgic much, right. and if she was alive today, she would be president of my fan club. And oh, she, but know. she was a single mom. You know, she raised us, me and my brother Mike, and I think she always was supportive of everything we did. So whether it was, you know, what we're doing in our personal lives or private lives or relationships, like she was always a supporter. Great mother. Right there. Yeah. Can, yeah. can you speak about um, your other project or? Well, I'll, I'll, I will say I'm working on uh, two other books right now. One's kind of a current contemporary piece. And the other one is another story about 
the first wounded warrior to ever command an entire battalion of wounded warriors. But 15 years before that, his light attack helicopter was shot down over a deadly city in Najaf. And it is just an amazing story. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. uh, We're still good friends today. And then I'm also working on a full length feature documentary. And a couple months ago, we signed the contract with, uh, my executive producer up in Hollywood. Um, he's, He's a pretty pretty big name up there. Most people don't recognize the name, but he created this little show called CSI, which most people have. So it's not Harvey Weinstein. Though. No, his name. He's. he's I'll tell, I will say his name because he's an amazing guy. His name's Anthony Zucker, and he's a, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he loves vets, loves our military. He's a proud supporter, and we're just working on some of the upfront. Uh, planning and then cool. uh we're going to move forward with this. and besides writing what else do you do i mean remember you mentioned you have a firm or i well i, I a do firm. a lot of yeah i have a consulting firm where i do some uh you know consulting for security uh, but mostly nice. I, i'll be honest with you unless people do word of mouth they say hey talk to scott he'll come over and train you on security or you know weapons nice. training or whatever the majority of my time is really saturated with doing public speaking appearances wow. nationally and that could come from military universities to campuses to private organizations to the uh, International Convention of Crematoriums and Funeral Homes Association, nice. which wow. is where I met Anthony. It, you just—I never say no. To, <laughs> wow! Yeah, wow! He, he does this amazing tribute to our fallen warriors okay. called Divinity, and it's this amazing divinity uh, it's called divinity and anthony anthony zucker created this company and it's like this floating cross and it's magnetic it's just it's crazy cool and i met him there we went to dinner and then when i came up with this idea you see the mad scientist project right. and he's like <laughs> i pitched it to anthony he's like i'm in a million percent wow. nice so you never say no to an opportunity right and guys that transition from the military i think there's so many great examples of success stories and one of them is they create opportunities for themselves i mean nick's a prime example. I, I bust his balls constantly. That's yeah. Let's get let's get Nick one right there. Yeah, yeah. Bastards Canteen, hey, hey, Bastards hey, hey, Canteen, Downey, Downey, California. Vic, Vic, Vic didn't clap by the way. <laughs> no, I was drinking. There you go. Yeah, but Nick's Nick's a real success story. Um, you know, kicked ass as a Marine, obviously. But uh, there's so many people that we serve together under those conditions, and I think that brings us closer together, obviously, but I still stay connected to Marines I served with in every unit, and right. that's really remarkable. But I, I think saying yes to opportunities and really doing things that serve you. We talked about this before when I was right. giving you the ranch tour here is, you know, I love sharing, but ultimately you have to do things that serve yourself. You can't say yes to everything. Right. Uh, you don't have to be an a-hole about it and say no all the time yeah. either. I mean, sharing the network is probably one of the best things we have as a, what I like to call a community coalition of veteran artists. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, that's what, that's one thing you learn in any, any type, any branch of service we share, even we're out there in a battlefield, we're sharing with each other, whatever we need to get the mission done. And the mission doesn't stop just because we got out. We have another mission in life and some of us keep serving and, you know, within the community, police officer or, you know, even coming on on film. We have, we, we've recorded with many um, um, actors, artists that continue serving in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. So our mission is never over. And I think that's what draws us to joining the military. As you mentioned earlier, it's a calling. It's 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 a family. It is a family. Yeah. The, the and po- it's a fucked up family, too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dysfunction in it, too. I, I think to, to the people... Okay, so but you can't the, disown them. Any of the listeners who never served, and 
we just did a episode with Tito Ortiz up at Punishment Athletics, and I'm proudly sporting my Punishment MMA uh, athletics hat. But you know, he, I was kind of pinning him down as I was co-host in the 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 pod, and I said, "Hey, is there some like guilt patriotism? Like you never served?" <laughs> He's like, "I want to go to boot camp." I go, "Dude, you're 40 something." I go, "Boot camp probably not going to be a good option for you." But the dude's tough as a rhino. Yeah, he, he yeah. crushes. Send him to Devil Pups. Yeah. <laughs> Young Marines. Yeah. What was the name of that boxer that joined um, the Marine Corps? And he got out. Within like two, three weeks back in the, I don't remember. It was like in the 90s. Fuck, what was his name? He I'm an Air Force a, guy, I don't follow no, him. He was, a, he was a tough boxer. He, he went to boot camp and he, he got out within two weeks. It's, yeah, it's, it's a young man's game. But the, the point is, is Tito, who's a awesome, proud veteran supporter, yes, supporter of our active military. Tito, love you. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing dude. I said, listen, man, you're doing your part. You're okay. serving because you're using your talent. Your fighting ability, which is representative of what we do as a right. warrior culture, mm-hmm. and you're you're tying into that, man. So you're part of it. So veterans and active military, like we don't own the words right. service and sacrifice. No. We don't no. own them. There's so many different communities that can serve. And again, being joint, working together, that's powerful, nice. man. And yep. and you know when I told Tito that hey we want to do this podcast, uh, he's like oh well, I gotta check my schedule. I said. He's a veteran. Three days later, we're up at punishment up in Huntington Beach. Wow. Like, nice. That's nice. that's the kind of that's the yeah, kind of people that are in our network. Yeah, and it's good there's people like that that use your platform to support us because mm-hmm. not many people want to use your platform. They're kind of I don't know what is it like, what scared. Do you do? Yeah, yeah, what do you like, do for what, me? What do you do for me? Like, and, like yeah, the risk you, has to be worth the, the payoff. In yeah, we could do. You guys could have a second podcast called the MF Hour, like the motherfuck hour. And you could just like <laughs> you could just trash dudes late like night. all right, yes. late night. Yeah, there you, you go, just, bro. You could just trash late people night. that don't want to support. And like you know, I get it. it that's your prerogative. Yeah. Um, you can't force anybody. No, it's everybody's got their you, thing. You could force some people. But, you know, there's a guys like for that. There's you could. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we could get Tito Task Force. Tito, Tito, and Alex Task Force, bro. Yeah. yeah, pipe hitters. Unite. Pipe hitters. There you go. Unite. There you go. <laughs> well, I will send these guys to your house. <laughs> well, to wrap this up, um, do you want to plug anything? Well, if people are listening, they want to get a hold of the copy of the book. Go to Amazon, and it's available in hardcover, uh, Audible. It's available in MP3, and coming... for those of you Marines that can't read, so... <laughs> yeah, the Audible, yeah, yeah, audio, yeah, audio. which is great. And then this October. We're going into our third or fourth printing and paperback. So go to Amazon and pick up a copy today. And this is important is a portion of the proceeds go to support Save the Brave. And everything I do, again, at the beginning and end of every day is is all about our network and and helping veterans. So savethebrave.org. If you want to contribute directly to Save the Brave or become a part, go to savethebrave.org. Check out the testimonials of the guys we've helped hundreds. And quickly, what Save the Brave is... What's it all about, just for those that don't know out there? We connect veterans through outreach programs to really just build that network. And and it could be offshore fishing with Stoked on Fishing and some of our partner networks at Fox West Sports or Akuma. Uh, and we take guys and we get them together. It could be up in the mountains at Big Bear. It could be at an equine event or at Bastards Canteen in down in California. Nice. Boom! <laughs> Soon to be where There's else? one. There's some supporting arms right there. There you go. But Nick is doing stuff like they did a jam session the other night, and he brings people in, and people want to give. And I think that's, you know, everybody's got their charity. Not a, You don't have to give. You could give a little to all, but we also love it when people support through services. If you're a lawyer or a CPA or 
you know somebody that wants to donate but doesn't know who to donate to. Save Massage the parlor, something like that. Yeah, Save the Brave is 100% nonprofit. Oh, wow. None of us take a single dime oh, yeah. for a salary. We do it all. We allocate our time, and that's we just give, and that feels good. So. And what kind of words of encouragement would you have when people get out that – you know, they don't have a mission anymore. They're looking for their purpose. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned all those organizations right now, but what if, like, they're kind of hesitant, you know, because when they get out, they don't have their brothers or sisters with them, and they're just at home, you know, because because sometimes when you have so much going on in your life or in your mind, you become stagnant, you know? Like, what what would you do to for them to, like, just, you know? I, I gave them a couple pieces of advice is, is stay connected. Well, first, you got to get off your ass. Mm-hmm. Get get out of your funk. Get Get off the couch. Get away from the computer. And walk through the door. Mm-hmm. You got to show up. Like what, that's the first step. If you show up, you're there. And the second thing is connect to different networks outside of your regular comfort zone. This military support network. Because every time I reach out to all these places that I speak at, these different circles, you know, they overlap. And I'm moving my hands around in this weird motion, <laughs> like I'm a sorcerer. But the, the the circles overlap, right? And then these networks join yeah. together and they stack on top of each other. And they build yeah. this massive column of support. Yeah. Right. And that is a real thing. And they're real people. So you have to be able to get outside of your comfort zone and connect to those people to really, really engage, really create opportunities for yourself and treat everything like a mission. Mm-hmm. You can't think you can sleep in until 10 o'clock and go to bed early and be successful. I'm up till midnight some nights on the computer. I'm always working on my phone. I hate using the R word, retirement, right. because I work more now than I ever <laughs> yeah. did. And it's it, it really is gratifying. But veterans who are transitioning, create opportunities for yourself and, and stay connected. It is the best advice I can give anybody. And you, reach out and to and you, said, you said reaching out because I try to tell people, veteran or not, it's just like um, when I teach um, seminars for, for, you know, when it's dangerous areas and stuff like that, it's like one plus one equals 100. Yeah. You, know, you just touch one person, that one person won't, it's, it's not contagious. Not like that, not touch them. Like not like that. Not, like <laughs> not, not, not there. Not in the baiting not scenario. Like, no, no. Not like Alex. <laughs> touch. No, no, like not Alex touch. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he knows you already. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. We're here, we're here. And the guy in the corner over there, cock-holding over there, he, he's been giggling the whole time. You know, and also for the people that are, are, are not veterans or in the service, but just, you know, if you know a veteran or something like that, just, just everyone has a story, you know, yeah. veteran or not. But especially for veterans who, who've served, either they've seen combat or not, everyone has a story. So just tell them, like, hey, man, like, are you okay? What's going on? You know, especially for law enforcement. I have a lot of people, a lot of friends who are in law enforcement. And one, I, one guy, I'm not going to say his name, but he's, in, in the, he's a police officer. And I've known him for a good 10 years. And just uh, a few years ago, I was like, hey, man, are you taking depression pills? He's like, holy shit, Alex, how did you know? I'm like, you know, it's okay to take them, but it doesn't work for everybody. And, I just, and he stopped, of course. And then I saw him this week. And I was like, dude, did you take some again? And he's like, dude, Alex, how did you know? He's like, dude, I know you. You know, so when you see anything different about someone, it could be, doesn't, they don't have to be depressed, but just like an extreme emotion. You know, I mean, look at all the, look at all the comedians that, um, that, that pretty much committed suicide. They were all the happiest person, people in the world uh, visually. You know, so when you see someone in extreme emotion, are you okay? Yeah, you try and, you try and help them all, but you, 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 yeah, you know, trying, you, yeah. you can throw a life preserver over, but they won't grab it. Yeah. You, yeah. you could jump off the rails and, and you know, swim to them. But if they want to jump, they're going to jump. Even, yeah. Yeah, even in our community, it's, community, it's hard to reach everybody. It is. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's a challenge for us. And I've gotten so many texts throughout the years, and it's like, man, I just talked to them last week, and you just can't. You can't save them all. But it's good to reach out and it's like you said always reach out yeah. to somebody so connect and i'll show my age here but we never had 
the internet. <laughs> the interwebs. When, when I was at the internet, this crazy thing the kids are all talking about is called the interweb or something. It's, it's a fad. AOL. It's, it's, it's going to go away. Something that Google owns. Yeah, we well, see. You see, you're close to my age, so you know the I'm AOL. Way past your age. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you. I like that. I like to hang out. I like to hang out with him more. So you know, I feel younger, it. but you know, you got to. Okay, so the point of the moral story is. We sent mail and letters. Yep. So yep. you got to send mail yeah. to get, get mail, mail, right? Yep. If you don't write mail, you won't get mail. So reach out, email your brothers, DM them, send five DMs a day, and like people will connect. Yeah. Or maybe they won't. Like I text Nick all the time. He's like, crickets. Ooh. He just shows up. Yeah, he, he, just, he just shows up in the front yeah. gate. Yeah. <laughs> What's the code again? What's the code again? Niner? All right, on the Niner. Niner there for sure. <laughs> I love it. All right, on that note, um, just want to thank our listeners and thank you, sir, for um, joining us today. Thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you for your services. Yeah. All right, man, I'm done. This is Mike in the armbar. I'm just beginning. This is Alex. And this is Vic. Cheers, everybody. Later. Bye-bye. Or oh, cheers. Clickety-clack-clack-clack. Clack. Cheers. <laughs>